Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports, brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, listening to the Inside Carolina podcast, sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt, JohnnyTShirt.com. I'm the host of this one, but I got a lot of special people with me. If you're listening on iTunes, subscribe, uh, rate us, of course, subscribe to iTunes, Spotify, and all that. Give us a rating, five-star, one-star, whatever. Tell us what you want to hear, what we're not doing, what we are doing. It helps us with the algorithms to get you to see Inside Carolina Podcast early in the search process. On YouTube, click on subscribe to Inside Carolina's page. You get to see a lot of our faces. You get to see a ton of content that the Inside Carolina team puts out. And always shop johnnytshirt.com. Mm. Season prediction show. We've done this every year. And I think it's this group that's done it the last couple of years. So I put it off, put it off, put it off because I wasn't going to record a podcast and then uh, the season not happened. So I probably jinxed it fully. We're recording this on Wednesday night. You're listening on Friday going into the Labor Day weekend. I'm going to just look at my screen. I've got Taylor to my left on my screen, so I'm coming to Taylor first. Um, no disrespect to Jason Staples, Greg Barnes, and, of course, El Presidente, Buck Sanders. But Taylor, Carolina Open, September 12th, against Syracuse in raucous Kenan Stadium. The cutouts, the piped-in music, it's going to be wild. The cues come in. Let's start the ball rolling. Let's get our predictions. Let's start from the top, Taylor. Syracuse and the Orange. It's an honor to start it. I guess we're going youngest first year uh, or maybe best looking. I, I don't know. Whichever way we're doing it, I think I'm, I'm getting it. Started wow. <laughs> that is definitely youngest. <laughs> uh, but to start it off, I would have to say uh, North Carolina is going to win this one uh, in pretty convincing fashion. Um, I think all reports out of Syracuse, you know, you, you have players who aren't showing up, whether it's um, with everything going on with the pandemic. Um, they've had just practices having to get canceled because the team um, is refusing to go out there because of uh, just not liking the protocols that Syracuse has in place. So even if the playing fields were level in terms of preparation, I think North Carolina has a huge advantage in this game. So when you factor in, you know, all, all that's kind of going on in Syracuse, I, I just don't see any chance uh, for the Orange to pull off this upset. It's at like 20 and a half points right now, and I think that spread is just going to keep climbing. Yeah, I, I, I agree with what you're saying, but I'm not agreeing with what you talked about before you started talking about the Syracuse <laughs> game. I mean, that is just ultimate disrespect. So I'm going to Buck Sanders. And, Buck, I don't like Taylor talking about being the youngest and the best looking, um, but let's get on track. Syracuse and Carolina. Tommy, are you challenging that statement that 
I am not. Well, I saw, was it Baden that talked about Taylor's curls? He's got fresh curls going on. I mean, I was offended. Baden's my guy, Buck. What in the world? Well, he's definitely got you whooped in the curls department, Tommy. (laughs) I got a Jason Staples look going on. Yeah. Uh, So I'm next on the Syracuse issue. You're next. I'm bouncing around. I'm going from youngest to oldest. Okay. Uh, So, yeah. Uh, North Carolina's favored by about three touchdowns. Uh, I I really don't see Syracuse being a a threat. Uh, Good opening game for North Carolina. Probably get to play a lot of players. So not not much more to say about it than that. they still have 85 scholarship players, I suppose, but other than that, it should be a mismatch in uh, in the opener. Danny DeVito, Greg Barnes, torched Carolina a couple of years ago, did he not? And he's kind of. It was Danny, but yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, you know who I'm talking about? The quarterback named DeVito, uh, but he's kind of backslid a little a little bit since then. Um, Syracuse got any chance coming to Keenan Stadium? I really don't think so. Uh, DeVito did have a good last year as Tommy DeVito. Um, <laughs> he struggled at times, inconsistency. Uh, you know, he came in and, and played very well. But the reason North Carolina won that game up there was because Dungey got hurt and DeVito came in and made some big plays down the field. But he did struggle a little bit last year. And there's some questions about, you know, what running backs are actually going to have available. I do think matchups matter. And with this being the first game of the year, I mean, you've got a, a first-time uh, defense coordinator in Tony White coming from Arizona State where you know, he wasn't exactly in charge of the show and you know, had some experiences with Rocky Long and the, the 3-3-5 that, that he ran. Where was that? San Diego State, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think when you're, you're trying to kind of rebuild a defense, the last thing you want to face is Sam Howe and a pair of 1,000-yard receivers and Javante Williams and Michael Carter and Phil Longo in his second year. That's just a nightmare scenario. So – um, I, I think Syracuse may be better as the year gets along, but I think I think as a first game, this is worst case for for Dino and, and best case for UNC. Yeah, how do I miss his first name? I mean, he's got the best first name of the season, Tommy Dan- DeVito. Danny DeVito is a, a great actor. I'd, yeah. I'd love to see him on the football field. That's for sure. <laughs> I, I insist that when we do our preview episode, that we call him Danny DeVito through the entire episode. That's... I promise you that I will do it at least three times. So there we go. I, if, if any it, Syracuse fan is listening, I apologize. My email is Greg at Inside Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> if right. we don't call him Danny DeVito through that episode, then I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna boycott the the pre <laughs> game for uh, for Charlotte now. Oh, this is gonna be a fun show, uh, <laughs> Jason. I assume you agree with everybody. Carolina goes one and zero on the season. I think they'll go one and zero. I'm I'm a little bit uh, less optimistic about the you know oh Syracuse has no chance. Um, openers are are funny. Openers are weird things and. Sometimes, you know, you get some turnovers or, or just different things that happen because openers tend to be sloppy football. And given no spring, given the weird conditions that we've seen over the past few weeks, openers are probably even more sort of up in the air than usual. That said, I think North Carolina is a lot more talented. And, you know, if I had to, had to pick this game, I'd say, you know, Carolina by 20. So I, I do, I'm comfortable saying it's a win, but I, I, I don't want to 
give the impression that, oh, you know, man, Syracuse is just terrible and there's no chance. No, there's a chance. I just – I think Carolina should win the game. Carolina goes 1-0 and across the board. I agree with everybody. Charlotte comes to town on the 19th. We're not going to spend too much time on this. Props to Charlotte for taking the game. Uh, everybody agree that Carolina is going to win this one quite comfortably. I'll say aye. Aye. Uh, is Ditka full size? Yeah. <laughs> bye week. A good time for a bye week. Let me ask Greg this. Serious question. Is, that, is this too early for a bye week or – Given the nature of the beast that is 2020, is it a good time for Carolina to get that bye week at this point? Yeah, I, mean, I think best case scenario for, for 2020 is you have a bye week after every game, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I think the schedule sets up perfect for UNC. You get a, a manageable ACC game as an opener. You get a non-conference opponent against Charlotte that you should win. You get two opportunities there to get a lot of guys reps, and then you get a bye week to kind of – uh, get your feet back under you. So I think it's, I think it sets up well. And um, the fact that you have two bye weeks, I think helps. Um, but, but being able to kind of gather your thoughts and, and look at who actually was able to contribute uh, is key for this coaching staff. So early in the year. But at Boston college on October 3rd, I, I can't think of a, a better time if you've got to go to Boston college to be early in the season, because those late season games up there, in that part of the country, pretty cold, pretty nasty weather, but Carolina gets them early in the season. Your thoughts on that one? Well, you're right about it getting cold up there. Greg Barnes and I spent some time, uh, a real cold time in Boston College a few years back, um, especially since he's always the last one to leave the press box. <laughs> so it was really cold when we got out. Uh, you know, uh, I've got this as a win. Uh, if you look at S&P Plus, UNC should be favored by about 18 points. Um, you know, FPI has them winning at a nearly 70% clip over Boston College probability. So we don't know what we're going to get to see um, with Boston College. You know, they got a new coach, new system, a uh, lot going on. So uh, as Mac Brown, I think, may have said, there's going to be a lot of game planning in the first quarter of that game. So uh, you never know, uh, as Jason alluded to before, it's uh, always possible. There's, you know, stuff happens. But if it goes according to chalk, uh, North Carolina should pick up their third win of the season uh, at Boston College. Jason, do you agree? I do agree. I, I think I'm actually, in, in a lot of ways, more comfortable with this one than I am with the Syracuse game. Because, uh, first of all, third game in, you've, got, you've gotten a chance to fix some things. So third game, the more talented team is going to win more often than, than what you're going to see with those week one situations with this weird week one. So I think North Carolina is a lot better, just has, has better talent. And this is year one for uh, Halfley at, at Boston College. And if there was a year – not to be a year one college football coach, it's this year. You don't get it. You didn't get a chance to, to do spring football. You didn't get a chance to, to do full-on off-season conditioning the way that you want. All of that stuff that helps you set, your, your, set the tone of your program to, uh, to establish the culture the way that you want it and to install your systems and all of that, all that stuff's out the window. And so if you're a first-year coach, 
you're, you're probably going to be a win or two worse this year than you would have been otherwise. And they're in their first year coach. They've got a first year coach and their defensive talent has precipitously dropped the last three or four years. You go back to when they were, when they had Don Brown as a coordinator and especially with the guys that he recruited, they were one of the best two or three defensive teams in the conference year in, year out. The, the year he left, they dropped off by like 10, 12 spots. The year after, he, year after that, they dropped by like another 20. Last year, they were like 108th in the, conference, or in the country in, in defense. And I don't think they're going to be bouncing back from that anytime soon. I didn't see a ton of talent there. So I think this is, this is a, a game that, frankly, uh, I would expect to see some backups in the fourth quarter. Vip at BC. Carolina goes 3-0. Yeah, for sure. I think this game has a lot of trade-offs with it moving up in the schedule. I think uh, the the negative side of it is that you don't have a full season of games to kind of prepare um, and look at what these new coaches are going to do. But at the same time, um, they're not going to have a chance really to figure out who they are in, in just two games. Um, they have a new transfer quarterback. So you, you get the chance to play them early. Uh, like Jason mentioned, no spring football. It's going to be hard for them to kind of be in a groove to contend with a team like North Carolina, who's supposed to be a top 25 team. And then uh, moving this game up in the schedule, you get the first week of October, I'm pretty sure October 3rd. Um, so weather shouldn't be a factor. I know that was one of my concerns when I saw that game late in the schedule in uh, November, I think at first. Um, so it should be a great day in Boston, and I think UNC comes out of it 3-0. Greg, we talked about a little bit off-air, um, home field advantage, and I want to get your take on this Boston College game and then move on to the next game on the schedule. But at Boston College, like we've said, like Taylor just mentioned, I've always thought that was a tough ask for most teams because I've always thought Boston College was a pretty good team, very underrated. Um whether it's in my mind or not. I, I, I don't know. They've always been pretty good. But Carolina gets them in October. It's going to be beautiful up there. Um, and there's no no other – their home field advantage has always been the weather. They're not going to get that against North Carolina, I don't think. No, I'm, I'm actually going to throw a grenade in here. Um, I've got this as North Carolina's first loss. Um, and I think everybody, everybody made some really good points for sure. Uh, you, Jason talking about Halfley coming in and not being a good situation for first-year coaches. Absolutely, I agree with that. Uh, one thing that Halfley can, can benefit from greatly is the fact that uh, Adazio kind of suffered from the same issue that Tom O'Brien suffered from and that he was mediocre for a long time. Uh, Boston College was never really horrible under Adazio. Uh, they were good in, in spurts. And they've gone to a lot of bowl games in recent years. I mean, they were, what, six and seven last year went to a bowl game. So it's not like he's stepping into a dumpster fire. Um, there, there's a lot of good pieces there offensively. I think the fact that Phil Jerkovich uh, is a quality quarterback coming from Notre Dame. I know Brian Kelly was really high on him. If, if Halfley can pull the, the right buttons, I guess you don't pull buttons, you push buttons, pull the right strings. Um, <laughs> And utilize you know, a very sound offensive style of play. Um, you know, Halfley is a good defensive coordinator. Maybe he can spark that defense a little bit. They have a long way to go. But again, I think matchup wise, North Carolina's weakness is going to be along the defensive front. And so Boston College maybe can utilize that to their advantage. 
with it being a road game. There's a lot of these games that are going to be toss-ups that we talk about. Um, and so there's plenty of these that we could pick. You know, seven times out of ten, would I pick Carolina to win this game? Yes. But I've got to pick some, some losses along the way. Why not pick this one? Let's say Halfley's a, a heck of a coach, breaks out his first year. This is a surprise win. Why not? I'll pick UNC losing this one. That would create quite the stir on the inside Carolina message boards if Carolina goes up there and loses to Boston College. Any other year, any other situation, I might would agree with you. I'm going with Carolina by 10 points in Boston. Greg, stay with you. Carolina gets that home uh, return from Virginia Tech after last year's game that, yeah, defies any description up there in Virginia Tech, but this is a game that Carolina's had some success in Keenan Stadium, I believe 2012, the whiteout, they beat them. But Virginia Tech's had Carolina's number a plenty too as well. This game's a little different. Who knows what the fan situation will be in October, but it will not be a rabid Keenan Stadium fan base. Your thoughts on Carolina and the Hokies on October 10th? Yeah, this is interesting because you know, as the 2019 season ended – you start looking at what's coming back for all these teams and you look at Virginia Tech, okay, they've had some recruiting issues, but 2020, they should be really good because they returned pretty much everybody. Um, but then you start kind of following along with some things that are going on in the program. Um, it, it just seems like Fuente, while he'll have a good year this year, he's really on the downward trend unless something changes dramatically. Uh, and so I think while Virginia Tech will be good this year, and I think a lot of people – maybe not a lot of people, but a good many people will pick them to, to, to win this game. Uh, I've got North Carolina winning this. I, th I think North Carolina uh, understands what's at stake. I've got them losing the BC the week before. They're going to be fired up. So I've got Carolina winning this game over the Hokies. But Virginia Tech is no fan of the Tar Heels and vice versa. I think a lot of people um, get into the NC State rivalry, even the Duke rivalry. But if I had to pick a rivalry that's – a thorn in North Carolina's side, especially in the division, though there's no divisions this year. It's been Virginia Tech. Carolina gets them in Keenan Stadium on October 10th. What sayeth you? I don't know if you can hear me. We got you. You got Carolina us locked Virginia. up. Buck Sanders has gone into ether, internet ether. If you can hear me, Buck, I'll come back to you. So I'm going to go to Taylor. We're not editing all this stuff. We'll figure it out. Taylor, Carolina, Virginia Tech. I don't think, you know, NC State's hated, I understand, but the Hokies have a special place um, in the dark part of North Carolina fans' hearts, I think, and last year even cemented that even further. Yeah, I think this is a game that Carolina just has to win. You've lost the last four to Virginia Tech, kind of like Greg mentioned. Uh, Virginia Tech is on the downwards when North Carolina is – uh, trending upwards. So I think this is the game where if Carolina wants to take the next step and take the next leap into being a serious contender, Virginia Tech is a team that they're going to have to beat. Last year's game was a classic. I, I actually like Hendon Hooker a lot. He's a, he's a quarterback that I think uh, historically or in, uh, in recent history at least has given Carolina a lot of problems being a dual threat uh, type of option but I think just North Carolina has just too much talent on the offensive side of the ball and now 
North Carolina isn't deep on the offensive line and the defensive line. So an injury here or there can completely change what this North Carolina team looks like. But North Carolina at its best and Virginia Tech at its best, I think North Carolina wins that game and uh, keeps the perfect season going. Buck, you're back with us. Carolina and Virginia Tech, the Hokies, no fan of the Tar Heels and vice versa. What happens in Keenan on October 10th? Well, I have this as uh, one of my toss-up games uh, on the schedule. I've got to to say who's going to win, who's going to lose for purposes of this podcast. But it's also uh, one of those games where the the ESPN, FPI, and SP Plus don't get along. Um, FPI says that uh, North Carolina's going to lose this game. They only have a 44.3. Now, that's close. I mean, they're not saying they're going to lose, but they're they're predicting it as one of the games So. North Carolina is on the wrong end of the probability scale. Um, the SP Plus has uh, North Carolina winning by a touchdown. So it, it literally is a toss-up game in a lot of ways. Uh, I think the way I come out on this, and it comes back to your point, Tommy, is that I sort of think that North Carolina has this game circled on their list. Um, they are really trying to recruit Virginia hard, particularly the 757. This is a game where, you know, it's really important to them for a lot of reasons, recruiting mainly, um, where this is a game they're going to circle on the calendar. So I got North Carolina winning a uh, close one here and ready to move on to Florida State when you're ready. Yep, Jason, Carolina and Virginia Tech. And I'm going to pick Carolina to win this because Carolina – Mac Brown cannot lose to Virginia Tech if he's going to accomplish what he's trying to do. We've talked about 2021 being the year for North Carolina football, but we've moved that up to 2020. Um, he, I think Carolina wins this game. I think Carolina has to win this game for Mac Brown's plan. But, Jason, your thoughts? So, I really f- want to – sort of combine what everybody has said so far because I, I agree that this is a game that Mac and that and that staff are going to ha- have circled there's going to be uh, a few extra little little things that they'll have in store because this is this this is a recruiting game for Mac this is this is the recruiting game for that DC Hampton Roads you know all, all, all those various uh recruiting areas that that they're competing against virginia tech for so that's super important but at the same point i think that you your point about the lines and and some of the if one guy goes down on either on either side of the line of scrimmage things can really change and uh and virginia tech is projecting to be pretty good on the line of scrimmage uh and they usually are they usually have some talent there and Buck, your, what you said about this being basically a toss-up, that's kind of what I feel like, is it's, it's a toss-up game. I think all things being equal, I would pick this as a Carolina game, but I got to pick – and this is going back to what you said the last time, uh, Greg. You got to pick, pick some losses here with so many toss-up games. I feel like this is a game that Carolina should win in terms of they're probably the better team here by just a little bit and, and all things being equal. I'll probably pick them to win it that week. But I'm going to pick them to lose it because I got to give them some losses, losses this year coming in based on how many games are just so close in the margin of error and, and given 
uh, how much depth is going to matter this year and, and some of the lack of depth up front in particular. And Virginia Tech's going to be able to run the ball, especially with the quarterback this year, and that's going to be a real hard, hard thing for Carolina given their defensive line situation and other things. So I'm going to pick Virginia Tech, but with that kind of asterisk that I, I think this is really a, a, um, uh, a toss-up game. This is a uh, – everybody's 4-0 except Jason and Greg got Carolina 3-1. and Jason, I'll stick with you. Carolina and Florida State, at Florida State. Uh, we talked about first-year coaches. It's been a hell of a journey down there in Tallahassee. Uh, pick this one. I'm going to put you on the spot. You got to pick Carolina and Florida State down there in your area. Uh, this is one I'm really looking forward to seeing just for from the X's and O's side because uh, you've got some r really interesting stuff that's going to happen schematically. And I think this is a strength on strength, weakness on weakness kind of matchup where I think North Carolina might have the best offense in the ACC this year. Uh, I think that's I, – I don't think I'm going out on a limb to say that they – that there's a good chance they'll have the best offense in the, in the conference this year. Uh, and I think Florida State has the most talented defense in the conference. Now, they're in a first, first year with a, new, with a new staff, so there's going to be some hiccups, I'm sure. But if you go player for player, they're at least as talented as Clemson across the board with some depth on defense. Now, the difference is Clemson – probably the second best offense in the conference, if not the best. And they're also second best defense in the conference, not the best, if not the best. So either way, this is going to be Carolina's offense against Florida State's defense. And then Carolina's weakness is the defensive line and Florida State's weakness is the offensive line. And so you're looking at, at a matchup that to me is, is very much the kind of toss up uh, another uh, toss up game. Uh, I, I think when it comes to toss ups, you tend to favor the team with the better quarterback. And, and with this being a first-year coach situation as well, I'm going to pick Carolina to win this game. Uh, but again, this is a game where depending on just how things fall and some depth issues and some other things and, and how well Florida State's actually been able to prep in that first year, they, they're, still, they're still more talented top to bottom than, 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 than North Carolina so, you know, if there's, a, if there's another toss-up loss here, it might be this one. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick Carolina to win this game. Greg, you feel the same way? Uh, I mean, I, I agree with, with everything that Jason said. I was going to make the point that this is a game of matchups. But, but I do have FSU winning this game. Uh, I, I think the fact that the North Carolina's weakness, clearly to me anyway, is the defensive front. Uh, and Florida State has struggled a lot offense, offensive line-wise in, in recent years. So it's really a race to October 17th, right, of which team is able to coach up their offensive line for FSU and defensive line for Carolina by that point in time. When you look at North Carolina's defensive line, for that group to really get better, I really think it's going to take some freshmen stepping up. I think that's just a tough ask. So I'm going to give Florida State a little bit of an edge there uh, I do agree that Carolina's offense is, is fantastic. Florida State's will be the same. With it being in Tallahassee, I'm going to give the edge to, to the Seminoles here. Interesting. Uh, One thing I do want to add real quick. If Florida State's offensive tackle – uh, if their left tackle goes down, that's their season. We talk about some, any, sort of, uh, any sort of depth issues here. They have one offensive tackle who's a redshirt <laughs> freshman. They have one offensive – one left tackle. And if he goes down, they, they don't have anybody who can block the left side. Not good. <laughs> Carolina at Florida State. 
Yeah, I was going to default to Jason um, just because I know how well he knows both of these teams. So I'm also going to go with Carolina and have the perfect season continue. Um, I think there's a lot of interesting storylines in this game. You have Sam Howell, who was formerly committed to Florida State, going back down there. Um, first time these two teams have played since Weiler's kick. So I, I bet that's still fresh on some of the Florida State players' minds. And uh, they're looking for revenge just with how kind of disrespectful Weiler was running around on their field, even though it's a uh, new coaching staff. I'm sure they're going to remind love it. They're, they're going to remind the guys about that moment. But kind of like Jason had mentioned, uh, in a toss-up for me, I'm just going to default and say Sam Howell, UNC's offense, uh, they're going to find a way to pull it out in Tallahassee and come away with a win. I agree with that. Toss-up goes to the best quarterback. That, that's, that's football. But Carolina at FSU, um, this is one of those ones – well, this would be a fun road trip if there was a road trip to be made to go to Tallahassee, but maybe that doesn't happen. But Carolina goes down there October 17th. Halfway through the season, Carolina gets Florida State. Your thoughts on the ball game? Well, this is another one of those toss-up games, and there's two in a row, right? And it'll be interesting to see how um, the game they played a week before will affect this one. Um, uh, that's another side story, I think, that, that comes into play. But this is another one where uh, the SP Plus and uh, FPI diverge. Um, the FPI has got Florida State winning, only gives North Carolina 38.7% probability to win. And uh, SP Plus gives North Carolina a 46 um, point spread in that game. So um, it could, it's one of those games that could go either way. And I'm going to, you know, yes, it's true. Uh, in games that are tight, uh, usually the best quarterback wins. But in this one, I, I just have the feeling that um, for whatever reason, Florida State is going to uh, tag North Carolina with their first loss. Um, and, you know, I, I think as far as defensively, they may be the best defense, certainly the best defense they've played to this point. Uh, that factors into my thinking on it. And, you know, I, I just don't think North Carolina can get through this entire season unscathed. So that's, that's one of the L's I'm going to put up for North Carolina here. I had, I'm going to miss that trip to Tallahassee. I went several years ago and, there's a bar down there named Bullwinkles. I'm pretty sure Jason's familiar with. It's a lot oh, of fun. Yeah. Everybody knows Bullwinkles. Fun trips. Maybe maybe one day we'll get to go back down there. I'm going to go uh, – I just don't see Carolina losing this game. I, I don't have them going perfect, but I don't see them losing at Florida State. Sam Howe is just too good. And, and Jason's point about the left tackle at Florida State, they better wrap him in bubble and they better put him in a bubble to keep him from getting sick or hurt. so well, And he had off-season shoulder surgery, too. So, I mean, <laughs> it's not like you're looking at a guy who had, like, a full season of, you know, of, of preparation coming in, full off-season of preparation. So, I mean, it's just – there's a lot, of, a lot of little things that have to make – that have to go right for that team to, to be in good position uh, to play North Carolina. 
that said, that, that defensive line is going to be as good as Florida State's had in a long time. And their, their secondary is going to be really good. So, I mean, it's not, going to be, it's not going to be an easy win regardless. I'm really interested in watching Mike Norvell against Jay Bateman, though, because those guys have coached against each other before. And I've talked to Bateman about coaching against Norvell some as well. And there's a lot of mutual respect between those two guys uh, that Bateman – has some stuff for Norvell and Norvell, you know, Bateman knows Norvell has some stuff for him. And there, there's just, a, it's going to be a really fun game to break down after, after the fact. Circle, circle at Florida state, October 17th on your schedule, on your calendar. It should be a good one. I'm going to talk about Johnny t-shirt, Johnny t-shirt.com right fast. We're five games through the season and everybody has one loss. Buck, Greg and Jason, I believe have one loss, Carolina, Taylor, and, uh, or myself, Taylor, and Buck. No, Buck, you picked them with a loss. Anyway, let me do that read. Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. I own Franklin Street. They're your uh, friends for Carolina Gear. They always send an email. Sign up for the email list. You get their sales, Carolina Gear, football gear, basketball gear, anything you need, and 10% off your everyday order if you are a Inside Carolina Premium subscriber. Take another short break for the audio folks. Let the national guys pay the bills. We'll be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We're back with the Inside Carolina Podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. Got Greg Barnes, Jason Staples, Taylor Vipolis, Buck Sanders. 2020 season prediction show. We are in the thick of it. And I'm going to start with Buck Sanders on the back half of the schedule. NC State comes into Chapel Hill. I started to treat this game, boys, as, as the same way I treated the Charlotte game, but I didn't want to do too much disrespect. Buck, Carolina, and State in, in Keenan. There needs to be fans there. I don't know if there will be. Either way, these teams square off third week of October. Your take on it? Well, uh, again, I'm going to uh, kind of stay with the chalk here uh, with the FPI and the SP+. Plus. Uh, North Carolina has a higher probability of beating NC State than anyone on their schedule except for Syracuse and Charlotte. Uh, that's how it, the FBI sees it. Um, the 
SP Plus has North Carolina winning by 17 points. The one thing that's missing in those data sets, uh, though, that uh, Bill Connolly and the FP, ESPN people put out, there's no data entry for rivalry game. And that's always going to be a factor. Uh, NC State will be fired up to play. They always are. Um, I think North Carolina will be pretty fired up as well. So I, I just think North Carolina is a more talented team. Um, I think NC State's got problems at quarterback. Um, I think the running game will be improved, but uh, I, I just don't think they can uh, win against uh, UNC this year. So I'm going to mark that down the win column for UNC. Taylor, Carolina State was ugly last year. I don't yeah. see it being much difference. <laughs> yeah, I know Buck is a big data guy, and uh, my projections currently have UNC with about a 99% chance to win this game. <laughs> I, just, I just don't see how NC State has, has the talent to keep this one competitive. I do like their new offensive coordinator, um, Tim Beck, who came over from Texas. Um, I think he's a guy where if you do give him some time in Raleigh, um, he does have a chance to recruit NC State out of a lot of problems. But at the end of the day, uh, Dave Doran is, I think, like 18 and 35 or so, something along those lines in conference games. Um, and I think last year was the, the start of um, – UNC kind of just beating up on NC State every year. I, I don't know what you could have saw from NC State last year to have like any confidence in uh, that their quarterbacks would turn it around. Um, so I, I think UNC is going to win this one pretty big. 21 and 35 is this conference record. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> Jason, uh, Carolina and State. I mean, 41 to 10 last year. State hasn't shown me much. We've talked about on this podcast, there's a lot of local kids on that team that I know and like um, that probably wouldn't be there but for um, who the coaches were when they committed. But Carolina and State, October 24th. Yeah, um, I think this one's going to be a one of those games where um, Mac is going to do everything in his power to try to top that 41 to 10. Uh, and relish turning the screws on a on a on a rival because he's going to have every opportunity. I think this Carolina team's a lot better than that than that uh, than that state team, and I think this is one of those games where it's not a toss up. This is a game that they they should win and they should hammer uh, NC State. So yeah, Greg. My question is: Is this Dave Doran's uh, swan song? If if yes, Carolina blows them out. Well, Carolina fans like to talk about the uh, 04 Miami game, where if you know if, if North Carolina loses that game to a top five Miami team, Bunning shown the door, and here in comes Steve Spurrier, right? Well, uh, it was well known in NC State circles prior to the UNC NC State game to close the 2016 season that Carolina wins that game handily. Doran's gone, and what happens? State gets out to 21 zip lead. Uh, Carolina can't make the rally. You know, Buck Howard, the pass is just beyond his fingertips on what would have been a big conversion there late in the game. And Doran's hung around. So, so give him credit for that. Uh, but I think we can all agree, you know, we may not think North Carolina is a national 
title contender this year. However, if you're going to beat this North Carolina team, you better either have a really good defense or a quality offense that can keep that offense, Carolina offense, off the field. State has neither. Uh, quarterback <laughs> is a mess. I agree with Taylor. Beck, give him some time. He can rebuild that, that offense. I think there's some good pieces defensively. I know State had a lot of injuries last year on that side of the ball. Uh, I don't see this being close. I, I think this is another smackdown. I don't think North Carolina's happy with how they played in the first half of that game last year. Uh, so I, I think, for me, I've got them coming off a loss anyway down in Tallahassee. I think this could, could be pretty ugly for the Wolfpack. I agree. Uh, you know, I remember, was it Kay Mays' senior year? Carolina beat them 56-20 in Keenan Stadium. I thought they were going to kill Jamie Barnett. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it might be a similar type game for NC State. The only question is how many people will be there to see it in person. Let me go to – we got at UVA on Halloween and at Duke on November 7th. Let me group those two together. Taylor, I'll come to you and start with you these two. These two back-to-back away games, you know, I, I don't know if I've seen – I've seen – I know one better performance than I saw from Bryce Perkins in Keenan Stadium last year, an individual performance. And that was Lamar Jackson in Keenan Stadium a couple of years ago. Um, Perkins was everything. Tell me why Carolina shouldn't march to Charlottesville, beat Virginia, then go to Durham and do the same to Duke um, over these next two weeks in late October, early November. I think they're going to do just that and win those two games. I, it's, it's, it felt like Bryce Perkins was at UVA forever. Um, so I know Carolina's probably catching their breath that he's, he's finally out of there. Um, just just knowing what Virginia has at quarterback, I'm pretty sure they just named Brendan Armstrong um, their guy, but it's it's hard to pick a guy like that um, when you have as much talent as Virginia lost in Perkins in a cornerback like Bryce Hall to have a lot of confidence in um, UVA to beat North Carolina. And then when you look at Duke, I, I do think Cutcliffe is always the coach who's going to get the most out of the talent. And I think, I kind of hate saying that because it's <laughs> kind of insulting to Duke too because you're kind of just saying that their players aren't aren't that good or shouldn't be playing at that kind of level. Um, but they have a, a transfer quarterback in Chase Bryce, and you've seen very limited snaps of him um, at Clemson. So it's just, it's just another case where I think North Carolina, I don't think they're a national title contender, but I think they're about ready, fully healthy, to take that leap into – being um, somebody who can contend for that number two spot in the ACC. And if you're going to be that number two spot in the ACC and be right behind Clemson, Virginia and Duke are two games you can't lose, even even if they're on the road. Yep. Jason, these games, uh, I mean, NC State's a big rivalry. Virginia's a huge rivalry. Duke's a huge rivalry. They're both on the road. I just think Carolina's talent wins out on both of these, but how you see these shaking out? Uh, I, I think – they should win both games, but I think again, this is one of those places where I got to pick them to to lose a game here and there, just because of the way that these things work. Uh, and this is a discussion that, when the uh, odds for the season were posted on the Inside Carolina Tar Pit message board, I made this point to some fans saying, "Look, if you are seventy percent favorite in ten games, or a six, let's say a sixty percent favorite in ten games, you're supposed to lose four of them." You're a 70% favorite in 10 games. You're supposed to lose three of them. So 
at some point I got to pick a loss here. Uh, and so I'm going to pick them to lose at Duke. Uh, I think uh, Duke is, 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 is a team that's a little better equipped to, to face them this year in terms of they're going to have some good ends uh, and, and their defense should be solid. And, and I do think Chase Bryce is a pretty good quarterback. Uh, you know, we got to see him against Syracuse actually uh, pulling, pulling that game out by the skin of their teeth when Trevor Lawrence got hurt in his first game as a starter a couple of years ago. Uh, but Bryce is, you know, he's a good quarterback and, and they'll have some chances. And again, this is one of those situations where it's not necessarily that I actually think that, they, that they'll lose to Duke or that they should lose to Duke, but that losses are going to have to come from somewhere because this is not a team that, and Vip, you talk about them being on the cusp of, of taking that leap, making that, making that climb into the, the next tier. And I think they are on that cusp, but I think they're one recruiting class away from being there. And the, and the difference is having that depth on the line of scrimmage where your second group is as good as the, as, the first, as the first group of the tier two teams. And they're just not there, especially on the defensive side. And when, you just don't, when you're not reliable and you can't dictate with the defensive line, you're going to lose some games just because of that and because of the lack of depth. So – I'm going to go with them to lose against Duke and to beat uh, Virginia again, just because I have to pick a loss here and there. And, uh, and so, so far I've got them losing to Virginia tech and Duke. Greg, I'll, I'll get you um, before I jump to buck. These games are ones that, I mean, Carolina's always beaten Duke, but traditionally at Virginia has always been a struggle, but I, I mean, I just don't see it happening this season up there in Charlottesville, Duke's one of those ones where, like Taylor said, and I don't know if it's disrespect to the players or mad respect to Cutcliffe, but Duke's always been pretty good, even though uh, no one expected them or thought they looked good. You know what I mean? I mean, it, it seems like Duke's always gotten it done. I still can't get over last year's game in Keenan Stadium. I, I mean, one of the most bizarre games ever. Does Carolina get out of this these two weeks, Halloween and the week after, up in Charlottesville and in Durham, unscathed? Unscathed. If we're talking wins and losses, I've got that as a yes. Uh, however, you know, we talked about how the season started out well for them. You get Syracuse, you get Charlotte, and you get a bye week. Well, then what happens? You go to BC, you play Virginia Tech, which is a rivalry game now against a good team at home. That's tough. Then you go to Florida State, that's tough. Then you have a, an emotional game against NC State because those always are. And then you go to at Virginia and you go to you know, Duke. Um, there's going to be some wear and tear. There's going to be some, some emotional uh, wear and tear for these players. And this is where we really get to see, of okay, we know they have the talent. We know there's some question marks. Are they ready to take that next step? Are they ready to, to win some of these games that everybody expects them to win, but that we know are going to be grudge matches? Uh, and I know North Carolina fans get sick and tired of hearing me praise uh, Bronco and, and Cutcliffe. But while they may not be the best recruiters in terms of getting the high-name kids, they're very good coaches. Um, and I think Duke, Duke more so than Virginia this year, I think is, is going to be an issue. Because I think they'll be very good defensively. And they'll give Cutcliffe enough opportunity to keep the game close against the Tar Heels. And so I do have North Carolina winning both of these. Uh, but I really went back and forth with that BC game and Duke. Because I think North Carolina, you know, that, that's going to be a challenge. And you can throw Virginia in the mix as well. 
if things go right and, and Armstrong ends up being a, a pretty good option there uh, you know, for, from where Perkins was last year. Um, so I've got UNC winning both of these, but I think they're going to be very hard-fought games. And I just want to add you know, to what Jason was just saying about you know, making the next step and, and winning some of these games. Look at, go back and look at Clemson's margin of victory last year. Yes, North Carolina lost by a point. But they won so many games like 45 to 10, 52 to 3, and 52 to 10. They were just blowing teams out. So their starters didn't have to play but half the game. And Carolina had, what, nine seven-point games, and they were three and six in those games. So the separation between teams that have the potential to win eight or nine games, which is what I see North Carolina as this year, and an Alabama or a Clemson that they literally have like seven or eight guaranteed victories because they are so much better than those next teams. It's a big leap. And I think fans kind of miss that. And they think, oh, yeah, we won six games last year. We'll win nine this year. Then we're going to be playing for the national championship. Sam Howell helps. But there's a long, long step from where North Carolina is to where Clemson and Alabama is um, to get there consistently year after year. And that's like, the line of scrimmage. That's the, that's where that step is. It's the line of scrimmage because when 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 Clemson walks into the stadium for eight or nine games that they play, they are so superior on the on both lines of scrimmage mm-hmm. that the other team can't block them, and then the other team can't get to the quarterback and can't stop the run. You're going to lose ninety five percent of the games that you can't block the block the other team's defensive line and you can't get pressure on their quarterback or stop the i mean that that's 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 all it's it's a game you're that's over and north carolina is not quite there i think one or two more recruiting cycles with what they're doing up front especially on the defensive side they're gonna be right in that mix because they're starting to get those players and they're gonna be there to be able to uh to have that, that kind of talent edge against all but, say, the Clemsons and the Florida States and maybe the Miamis in this conference. And that's where all of a sudden you say, okay, well, I can write in six, seven wins right there. You, you, know, you do well on the other three or four that really matter, and all of a sudden you have a good season. You're 10, 11 wins before you've blinked. That's where you got to be. And, and I, I think you said it exactly right, Greg. Greg, it's like a uh, scratch golfer to a PGA professional. It's It's like a five handicap to a scratch golfer. I mean, not that much space, but it is a lot of work to get there. Yep. Buck, Carolina at Virginia, at Duke. Uh, You're old school like me. These are two huge rivalry games in the the ether of Carolina football. But how do you see these two playing out? Well, again, um, this is a, a game that's important for recruiting purposes. Um, you know, you're going to Virginia, you're playing in Charlottesville. Um, and there's no question that Mac Brown wants to make, uh, what recruits are available in Virginia that he wants. Uh, and, you know, getting Tony Grimes was huge. He wants to keep that train moving if he can and accelerate it. So this is another game I think that they'll be pretty pumped up for even though they've just played NC State uh, the week before. Here's another point to think about. If UNC beats Virginia, it will be the first time in Mac Brown's career he's ever beat him in Charlottesville. Mm. 
it would be his very first win uh, in Charlottesville. So I'm pretty sure he he feels like that's some uh, unfinished business going on there as well. Now, I know you're on pins and needles waiting for what the S&P Plus and the FBI have to say <laughs> about all this. Uh, but uh, the, the uh, S&P Plus has North Carolina winning by about 10, a little over 10, and they've got them beating Duke by 19. So that's what the numbers are telling, uh, you know, the uh, number crunchers. So I, I'm going to pick both of them to win. They, you know, they have a over 70% po- uh, probability of winning in both of those games. And I want to recircle back to something Jason said about win shares and adding things up. And you got to pick some losses in there because even if you're favored by 80% in all 10 games, that probably means you're going to lose two or three. Well, the reverse of that is just an alternative point of view. Alabama is favored by at least nine and a half points in nine out of the 10 games they're playing this year. And they're by the win share totals on SP plus, they're supposed to lose two games. Now it, it doesn't always work that way. You know, just because your win shares say you should win seven games or eight games doesn't mean you're going to, if you're favored by 70% in a lot of games, you may win all those games. And in fact, the, the odds look in your favor, in, in your, in your favor. And, and so, and, you know, I'm going to uh, put both of these games down to uh, in North Carolina's win column. And Tommy, uh, if you want me to bring you up the date, since I was the last one in on this, uh, well, I, I'm assuming you're going to pick both of them as well. Yeah, I've got them both wins. Yeah. Well, so far, uh, Jason has got us at six and two with losses to Virginia Tech and Duke. I've got a seven and one with a loss to Florida State. And Greg has UNC at six and two with losses to Boston College and Florida State. So and I'm going to. I, you know what, Buck, you've sold me. I'm going to go ahead and flip my Duke pick. I'm going to go ahead and say Carolina beats Duke. So go ahead and go ahead and make them seven and one right now. Why not? Uh, okay. All right. I, I actually do. And, and I actually do think, by the way, that you have a, a really good point about how this happens up at the top of the curve. Because these statistics do tend to lump teams toward the middle, which is, which is what you're going to get. Because once you account for injuries and other things, then that does mean that more teams are going to wind up sort of clumping toward the middle and the teams that stay healthy and have a little more depth are going to end up winning more of those games. So, you know, you can probably guess that it's more likely than not that Alabama ends up with one loss than two, even though the win shares would have them at two, but that's because of their depth and because of some of those other things that make them a little bit more, um, a little bit more odds proof than most teams in, that would that would have their their other advantages in terms of point spread and all of that. Alabama's going to going to have a few more bullets in the chamber if somebody goes down that sort of thing, so they're less likely to get that loss. But yeah, I'm going to flip that that Duke pick, and I'm just going to I'm going to I'm going to roll with that and and go with with Carolina having won that, and uh, and we'll, this will all sort of work out in the wash. We can't even get through the podcast and you're changing your daggone stuff. By the end of the season, you're going to be like, I said that. Okay, Wake Forest. 
Does anybody think Wake Forest beats Carolina? No. Can they get Jamie Newman back? Yeah, Jamie Newman's transferring back. Taylor. And Sage Surratt. Yeah, Taylor, uh, they don't have Jamie Newman. They don't have Sage Surratt. But right now, my season is going too perfect for Carolina. And when you when you factor in everything that everybody's been saying, where if you're favored to win, you know, seventy percent of games, you're going to get caught up eventually. I think North Carolina is going to get caught up against one of these in-state teams when. You're the flagship school of your state, and you're playing all these guys who, when you have this target on your back, unless you're a team like Clemson who could just run through teams, I think eventually you're going to get caught up with one of these in-state teams. I think it's been since, like, 2015 Carolina hasn't lost to an in-state team. So I think that trend is going to continue, and I think it's going to be Wake Forest. I think Carolina has the chance to kind of overlook them. Um, I would have them going into this game at 8-0 and with two huge games on Notre Dame and Miami. So I could see North Carolina overlooking a team like Wake Forest and Wake Forest coming in with uh, just just nothing to lose playing a team like North Carolina. And then I think that's where upsets can can really happen when you have a team who could be overlooking and a team with nothing to lose on the other side. Hmm. Very interesting. Offense. Anybody agree? Anybody going to go with Wake Forest beating Carolina? I am not. I do agree with Taylor, though. I think this three-game span, UVA at UVA, Duke, and Wake, I think Carolina probably gets a loss in there. I'm not picking a loss, but it would not surprise me. But, but seriously, Tommy, look, start, start at October 3rd and work your way down to the Wake game. That's yeah. seven weeks, and, I mean, it's some tough road trips, a lot of rivalry games. That's, that's going to be tough. Yeah, it's not Arkansas murderer's row, the schedule they have, but it only takes a couple injuries or a couple sicknesses or whatever happens for this to turn on its ear. Um, but, yeah, the bye week comes at a good time. Buck, I'll start Notre Dame week with you. Uh, this, I guess that's Thanksgiving weekend. Um, that's Thanksgiving Friday, I believe. If Carolina happens to be 7-1, and one, Eight no going into this game. Could this game be as big, given the circumstances, as Florida State was in '97? Could it be? Could it mean that much? No. Uh, you know uh, that. In terms of meaning, I know uh, I'm not really sure because both teams were in the top five uh, on Judgment Day. Well, you know, uh, daggone well, and if Notre I, Dame's undefeated, they're going to be ranked. <laughs> Oh, you know, they'll well, be behind Clemson and Alabama. True. Now, if North Carolina, if both teams happened to be undefeated at the time, yeah, maybe. But, uh, you know, it, it would take a lot. And, and plus, you, the, what one of the things that made Judgment Day uh, was the fans. That Keenan Stadium was never that full before, and I'm not sure it'll ever be that full again. Uh, there was not a seat to be had in that in that place, and uh, in fact, I uh, did a pretty good uh, side business on selling tickets. Although, <laughs> you know, face value only, you know. Uh, but I finagled thirteen. It's not going to be the fans. It's not. It's not going to be any uh, <laughs> uh, hard. Or, there may be some fans there, but it's not going to be. They're not going to allow you know, a full house in Keenan Stadium. So it, it, the feel of it won't be the same. 
Uh, even if, uh, you know, in theory, if both of them were ranked in the top five, it might certainly have a lot of meaning. And, um, you know, Notre Dame also has to play Clemson uh, this year. Uh, and if UNC is undefeated and Notre Dame is undefeated, you know, the winner of that game probably goes to the ACC championship game. So uh, there's that. Um, but, yeah, I, uh, and my take on the game is North Carolina is not going to beat Notre Dame. Uh, just to go ahead and give you my uh, – I'm uh, chalking North Carolina up. Their second loss against Notre Dame. I just think Notre Dame is at this stage a more complete program. Uh, their their quarterback is not as good as Hal. Uh, they may have some issues with you know receivers. They lost some you know some receivers from last year that they're going to have to um, you know replace. And, and you know they they're not a a team that has no flaws, but at the same time across the depth chart. Offensive line, defensive line, up and down the scale, really. They're a more complete team. And so uh, I'm giving North Carolina its second loss uh, in the penultimate game of the regular season. Jason Staples, Carolina Notre Dame. Whether Carolina's 6-2, and two, Notre Dame's 7. When, when does Notre Dame play Clemson? Earlier in the year? Earlier. Yep. November yeah. 7th. Two games earlier. So say Carolina six and two, Carolina's or excuse me, Carolina six and two, Notre Dame seven and one. It's still a huge game for the ACC because it's still basically for that right to play Clemson. Jason, how does it shake out? Uh, this is, I think, the best team on Car on Carolina's schedule. Uh, and with what Greg was saying earlier, uh, and I think rightly about what you need if you're going to beat this Carolina team, I think Notre Dame by and large has those things. Uh, they match up well on both sides of the ball in terms of the line of scrimmage. They're good enough at the quarterback position, and I think they're going to be able to run the football in this game, and, and that's, that's a big issue, especially in November. Uh, you know, that's – yeah, it's in, it's in Chapel Hill in November, but it's still, it's still November, and uh, you need to be able to run the football. I think they're going to be able to run the football in this game. I think that's the ball game. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to take – I'm going to take uh, – Notre Dame to win this game. Greg, you feel the same way? I, I mean, we talk a lot about, about – I've mentioned it, Notre Dame hype and all that stuff. And if they're undefeated, they're going to be ranked high. But th this is a solid ball club this year if everybody stays healthy and all that. Um, yeah. Coming to Keenan, that, that's a – it's perfect timing for Carolina, I think, after the bye week. But mm, tough, tough ass for the Tar Heels. Well, that's the thing. I mean, if you look at – if you look at Notre Dame's schedule, you say, well, the two games before UNC is Clemson, which will probably be the top-ranked team in the country, and then at BC, which is a long-time rivalry game. So maybe that helps, but then you have the bye week stuck in between BC and, and UNC. I've already gone on my rant about Notre Dame and, uh, and their inclusion in the ACC race this year. However, <laughs> if you look at their schedule, legitimately – we have always kind of questioned, should Notre Dame be as ranked as highly as they are? Uh, their name gives them quite the bump. They're going to have to earn it this year. I mean, they've got you know, Florida State, Louisville, at Pitt. I think Pitt's going to be good this year, sneaky good. Clemson. But there's just some tough games that they're going to have to win. And so by the end of the year, if they're still in the mix, 
uh, it's going to be a really good team. And they're going to be feeling you know, like they're in position to be able to, to play Clemson again in a, in a rematch in the ACC title game. Um, I do think it's going to be a competitive game. Uh, I think it'll be a fun one. I do have Notre Dame winning this game. But I think we'll learn a lot about North Carolina here because if everything goes the way that we've all kind of suggested it should, this game matters. And this is a big-time game, Thanksgiving weekend. As you said, Tommy, it's, it's a Friday game. Should be a lot of fun. And so we'll really get to see, okay, you know, how good is UNC? What can they do moving forward? I don't think they get over the hump in this game. Uh, but it should be a very fun one to watch. Yep, Taylor, Notre Dame coming to Chapel Hill. Not a uh, not a common occurrence. And and when they've come to Chapel Hill, it's usually been, I think, 2008 remains my favorite game in Keenan Stadium. But November 27th, you've got Carolina 9-0. No, you've got them 8-1 because you got them losing to Wake. I've got them 9-0 coming to Notre Dame or Notre Dame coming in. What happens? Yeah, I have Carolina losing this game and losing back-to-back games. Um, I think, as a lot of people have mentioned, the defensive line is Carolina's biggest question mark, even even to a point where it can be considered a weakness right now. Um, and Notre Dame, they're returning all five starters on their offensive line. It's something like they're returning over like 110 starts on their offensive line. So that's, that's not something you really want to be hearing. Um, when your biggest weakness is your defensive line. And I think Buck mentioned that uh, Book is no Sam Howell. And that's that's a, a pretty high bar when you consider Sam Howell is like a top three quarterback. But I think Ian Book is probably a top 10 quarterback in college football. And he's more than good enough to win you games. And I think Notre Dame is just a more complete team than uh, North Carolina at this point right now. Yep. I agree with that. Great point about Ian Book. I've got Carolina losing this one to Notre Dame, even though I hate to say it. I've got too many Notre Dame friends, um, so they'll be delighted to hear Carolina losing to Notre Dame. Last game of the season, boys, at Miami. And this is a weird one. Uh, um, I don't know what to think about this one. I don't know what to think about Miami's quarterback situation. Um, There's so many different variables. Greg, I'll come to you first. Uh, Everybody calls Miami front runners. And so if you catch them when they're down, they're really down. But if Miami's having a good season, is this a bad time for Carolina? Then you're coming off the Notre Dame game. Who knows how good De'Eric King is? I mean, I don't know what to think about this game at all. I'm, I'm going to make my pick after I listen to the four of y'all. I, I think De'Eric King is the real deal. Uh, I think he's a very good player. Although I am going to channel my inner Mike Ingersoll and say that uh, Miami is already on vacation in December. Uh, and so I think North Carolina takes care of business uh, down at, at Miami Gardens. Uh, but I think this will be a competitive game. Um, you know, if Miami somehow you know, gets their crap together and, and has a good year because they've, they've got plenty of talent. And now that they've got a quarterback, I mean, that was a big issue for them last year, uh, trying to find some stability there in the shotgun. They can compete and they, they can be in the mix. And this can be a game potentially for – a spot in the ACC title game, uh, Manny Diaz is going to have to prove it to me. I just don't have enough faith in him. So I think by this point of the year, Miami's going to be out of it, and that's going to allow North Carolina to roll to victory in South Florida. Tyler. Yeah, uh, this is by far the best time to play Miami because if they come into this game undefeated, you were going to get the, that team week one. 
if they come into this game with three or four losses, they're going to be checked out. Um, Manny Diaz keeps preaching the new Miami, and they ended the year with losses to FIU, uh, Duke, and Louisiana Tech in the bowl game. Um, Quincy Roche will help. They got embarrassed by Louisiana Tech. <laughs> yeah. They got embarrassed by all three of those teams. Yeah, but that Louisiana Tech game was <laughs> really bad. Yeah, and – they they add Quincy Roche. I do like um, Derek King. Uh, Gregory Rousseau is sitting out um, because of COVID concerns, and Hallelujah. he's just going to train for for the NFL draft. And if if him and Roche were out there, then you know that could have been a problem. But you could just focus on one of the guys right now. Um, so I'm assuming that Miami's coming into this game with a couple of losses. Uh, I know they didn't avoid um, Louisville. They didn't avoid Clemson. So it's, it's pretty safe to say they're going to have uh, a few losses, I think. So I think they're going to be checked out and North Carolina uh, beats them. Jason Staples <laughs> at Miami on December 5th. That's a good place to be on December 5th, to be honest with you. It is, and it is the best time to play Miami. But here's the, here's the thing nobody's talking about is – if, if we're in a situation where there's no crowds allowed or, you know, basically everybody's playing with no, no home field, no home field advantage, no fans in the stands or whatever, that's a huge edge for Miami all season because they are so used to playing without any fans in the stands. That's like home field for them all year. I mean, if Miami allows 15, let's say 10 or 15,000 people for their home games, you know, like a lot of these programs are doing right now, the question is, where are they going to get the other five or 10,000 people to come? So, I mean, that, that you can't underestimate what an advantage this virus is for Miami in the sense of just them being a team that's so prepared to play in front of nobody. So, and a lot of teams, that'll kind of psych you out because you, you, you tap into the energy of the crowd and everything else. Miami doesn't do that. They don't have, the, they don't have that luxury, right? So, so, yeah, that, um, that's a big edge for Miami in this game uh, and, and I think something that really needs to be discussed even more – needs to be discussed all season, I think, on social media in particular. Uh, but in any way – in any case, um, I, I have a friend uh, who's a, a scout in the state of Florida who actually went to a Miami practice recently and called me afterwards and said, yeah, this King kid's really, really freaking good. He's like – and this is the same guy who called me uh, a couple of years ago and said, dude, Miami does not have a quarterback. And this was with Jaron Williams. And then he's like, Jaron Williams is just not the, not the answer that they're going to have trouble scoring this year. And it's like, really? They got talent. It's like, yeah, they, they're off it. And he came, he came out of that practice saying, this team's going to score a lot of points. And the issue that they had is that so far in camp, their offense has been torching their defense. And we know that there's some talent on that Miami defense. So it, it actually might be true that Miami might be pretty decent this year uh, with De'Eric King. And, and a really good quarterback can make a big difference, as North Carolina knows. Uh, and you suddenly add a quarterback that is not a Sam Howell, but if, if he's anywhere in the, the same, you know, one tier lower than Sam Howell, then you're looking at a Miami team that certainly can, can contend and can, uh, can contend for, you know, that second or third spot in the conference and can beat, uh, can, can beat, not necessarily should beat, but can beat North Carolina. I'm going to pick this one to be a Miami win uh, at the end of the year, even though this is late year Miami. Uh, 
everything I've heard so far from the Miami camp has been that their offense is going to be really good. I think there's going to be a lot of points scored in this game between Miami and North Carolina. And uh, the, the, the biggest question mark, I think, coming into this, uh, aside from if something goes wrong with Miami, is uh, I, I like Rhett Lashley a lot as a coordinator. And King is a really good quarterback. But I do wonder whether or not King's going to be able to make it through an entire ACC schedule without getting hurt. Because Lashley's going to run him a bunch. And Especially in Lashley's offense. Right. In Lashley's offense, he's going he's gonna to be running a bunch. And he's going to take some big shots against ACC defenses all year. And that's not a big guy. So, uh, you know, it's going to be a matter of how healthy he can be. If De'Eric King is not on the field that last week, then, you know, I think North Carolina wins this game comfortably because Miami will have tanked. But uh, if, if De'Eric King is still on the field at that point, I, I think Miami wins this game. And I'm, I'm going to just factor on the uh, – I'm going to count on that being the case. I'm going to mark this down as a Miami win. Buck Sanders closed the season out in North Carolina at Miami December the 5th. Um, it, it's funny to listen to all the Miami discussions. I've always kind of liked them. I mean, their fans are kind of funny when they come to Kenyon Stadium. I don't they know. They don't have I, fans. There's always at least three dudes with the, the big chain that come to Kenyon Stadium that sit right behind us. It's happened every year, ever, <laughs> since 2004. <laughs> Buck, and, and Buck missed it last year. They were there last year, too. But, Buck, Man, how does Carolina fare? <laughs> um, you know, I, I got this as a win for North Carolina, but in reality, it's, it's a toss-up. It's pretty much a pure toss-up. Um, S&P Plus has North Carolina favored by 2.4 points and they have gives them a 64% uh, chance of probability of winning the FBI does so uh, both of those come out markers come out in favor of North Carolina but they did all of this data during the summer and at this point there's going to be 10 games that are going to be played by the end and uh, we're going to Obviously, I know a lot more, um, but, you know, I, I'm going to, because it's a toss up and because both S&P plus and FBI lean in UNC's direction, I'm just going to go with the chalk and take UNC. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. All right, boys. I, I think I'm going to give my spiel. I'm going to give each of you a minute to close out the season. I'm going to do mine first. I think Carolina goes nine and two, but I've yet to pick Carolina to lose a game. And I'm not quite sure where they lose those. I think the Notre Dame game is an issue. And I think at Florida State, um, my question to you in your closeout segment here is does Carolina play for the ACC championship, I guess on December the 12th against Clemson. Taylor, you can go first. Uh, I think they do kind of like I mentioned, I think Carolina is, um, right on the verge of taking that next step into um, being just a, a good ACC team to being that number two to Clemson. Um, I think there's a huge gap between North Carolina and Clemson, um, and it's going to be a tough path. But I think when you look at North Carolina, you have a guy like Sam Howell. Uh, your defense is led by a preseason All-American in Chesserat. The secondary should be much improved. Your skill positions – um, Michael Carter, Javante Williams, two backs that could go for a thousand very easily this year. Three wide receivers that are really good. Um, a good mix of young talent. 
um, across the board with guys like Josh Downs, um, Eugene Asante. I think this Carolina team is is going to take that next step this year and uh, go to the Aces championship. I don't think they'll win the Aces championship, um, but I think they'll be there. Jason Staples, can Carolina get there on December 12th? Can they? I, I think this team has the, the capacity to get there. Do I think that they're going to be there? No, I don't. Uh, I, I think that this team is going to be probably third to somewhere between third and fifth in the conference, uh, which is, again, you're talking about a team that, that won three, what, three games in two years before last year? Five games in two years. Five games in two years. That's right. Five games in two years. Uh, five games in two years in the, in, prior to last year. So, I mean, I think we need to make sure we pump the brakes a little bit in terms of how much talent is there. And yes, they underachieved the amount of talent that they had because of some issues at quarterback, because of injuries, other issues for sure. But I think Notre Dame is still in the conference. I think that Florida State team is going to be interesting this year. I don't think that they're really a team that you want to bet on, though. Uh, but there are some other teams in this conference that are just too close uh, for me to really feel like they should that that they should be expected to be in the uh, in the conference title game. To me, you've got to favor Clemson and Notre Dame to to get there, and uh, and Carolina to be somewhere in that three to five range, which puts them in striking distance to be there right when we all you know when Mac Brown when he took over the roster and he's looking forward, he's saying you know that 2021 season. That, that could really be the year. And I, I still think that that's really the season to circle. This one, it's possible. I think they're capable, but I don't think it's likely. And so, and, and there's a difference between possibility and likelihood, and, and that's where I fall on it. Greg Barnes. Yeah, Roy Williams likes to say, you know, the other team has a say too. And that's one thing when we're focused so intently on, on North Carolina, uh, we give Clemson the credit they deserve but sometimes we don't give other teams the credit they deserve. And I think if you look at this season, I agree with Jason and Taylor that Clemson's kind of far and away the best team in the conference, especially this year. Um, can teams beat them? Of course. Is it likely? No. So that puts you in a pot with 14 other teams competing for one spot in the ACC title game. Um, as I said, I think Pitt's going to be sneaky good this year. Louisville's good. Notre Dame's probably the second best team, at least entering the season. Virginia Tech, uh, even though I think that is not trending well, they should be pretty good this year. Uh, Miami could be good. So there's a lot of teams that can kind of trip UNC up. And I think when you look at the issues that North Carolina has, they're fantastic at the skill positions, good at linebacker, good in the second, secondary. They have issues up front on both sides of the ball. They don't have the depth they want offensive line. And I think they have some serious question marks in the defensive line. You're not going to get away with, with covering those mistakes and those issues throughout the course of an 11-game season. And so I, I agree with Jason. I think next year that team could be really, really good and can play for an ACC championship. I don't think they're quite there yet. I think they'll compete for it, and it, it can happen. Uh, but I don't see it happening this year. Buck Sanders, close us out as you always can. Well, uh, you know, a, a lot of good points have been made there by everybody. Um, I, I think back uh, several years ago, this is probably 10 years ago or more, when uh, I was at an ACC kickoff event, Jason was there, and, 
and we were having this conversation about UNC football that year. And uh, he said, well, you know, they can be four and eight or they can be eight and four. And I think from going through our picks tonight, we've kind of arrived at a uh, conclusion or at least a guess that that window is a lot narrower. You know, uh, I think probably at worst, worst case, this might be a seven win, six or seven. You know, they're going to win six or seven. Um, worst case. Worst case. Mm -hmm. So, really, it's just the margins we're talking about now, much more than some huge gap that, well, you know, if everything goes right, you know, maybe they can win eight games or, well, things don't go too right or go south, they'll be four and eight. So uh, I, I think that's where North Carolina has evolved to so far uh, in Mac Brown 2.0. And I, I think we're probably in 2021, all that wind share probability stuff, Mac Brown got to the point in his tenure first time around where he beat everybody he was expected to beat. You know, now if they, there, there were other teams that were good too, and he lost to some of them, uh, but the teams he was supposed to beat, he beat them. And I think that he's going to get to that point in 2021. I don't think he's quite there in 2020. So we could see the entirely random Greg Barnes prediction of losing at Boston College, which where did you get that from? <laughs> uh, and maybe, you know, uh, Taylor's right. And the only teams that UNC will lose to both wear black and gold. Uh, also a fairly random, uh, you know, a prediction, <laughs> I think. So, I mean, but those things are possible maybe in 2020. But I think moving forward, we will see, um, you know, North Carolina is going to beat the teams they're supposed to beat. And, and they're, they're going to play some teams where neither one is going to have a statistical advantage. And, and then it's just going to be, you know, the rub of the green in a lot of cases. So um, I don't think they'll play in the ACC title game this year. I think Notre Dame, that, that they are not, I wouldn't look at them as North Carolina has no chance against Notre Dame. I think they have a chance to win that game. Um, I, I just think probably by the end of the year, uh, Notre Dame will be uh, the team that goes to the ACC championship and faces Clemson, which for my part, I'm almost okay with that because I'm not sure I would look forward to playing Clemson um, in the ACC championship game uh, this particular year. So we'll see. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just say one more thing. I'm going to repeat it one more time. You beat the teams that you're supposed to beat when you're better than those teams by a lot on the line of scrimmage. And when Mac Brown was last in Chapel Hill, those UNC teams were really, really good on the line of scrimmage. When you're, when you're running Greg Ellis and that group out there on the defensive line, you, you know, uh, what you had Ebenezer Ekubon, you had all these guys out there that wound up playing 
you know, eight, 10 years in the NFL, when those are the guys that you're running out there on defense, on your defensive line, and you've got solid continuity and, and, and you're able to block people on the offensive line, you beat the teams you're supposed to beat. It's as simple as that. Good quarterback play, good line of scrimmage. Football's real simple. <laughs> Blocking and tackling. Sam Howell, I think, makes a huge difference this season. I agree with everybody, though. I think one year away, we've kind of jumped up the 2020 timeline, but I think 2021 is the timeline Mac Brown and his crowd are, are banking on. It's always been fun, Inside Carolina Prediction Podcast. It's always a long one, so if you're listening to this, um, we're about done, but I want to say a special thanks to Taylor Vipolis, Jason Staples, Greg Barnes, and, of course, Buck Sanders, and a shout-out to John Siegley, our producer. He puts all this stuff together so you can get some coherent content from us. Boys, it's always fun. Subscribe. Let me do this. Subscribe to Inside Carolina on YouTube. Subscribe on iTunes and Spotify and all that stuff and leave us a rating. Boys, it's always fun. 2020 football season is here. We're having one. yippee ki Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. a very bright shining light Sarajevo and they needed to kill that light from producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2 U2 they represent a personification of our resistance the Hollywood reporter hails kiss the future moving and inspirational kiss the future viva Sarajevo kiss the future new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus go to Paramount Plus to try it free terms apply